one thing I've noticed as a parent is it doesn't matter what I have or what my kids have, they will always want what I have. Has anyone else noticed that? It does not matter what they have in front of them, they want what I have. It doesn't matter that they've been happily sitting on that couch for two hours. As soon as I sit on this couch, this is the couch that they want to be on. It doesn't matter that they're happily enjoying their ice cream. As soon as they see my ice cream, they want my ice cream. It doesn't matter that I let them choose whatever breakfast they want. As soon as they see my breakfast, they will want my breakfast. Am I alone in that or is that a common experience that people have? I'm starting to think maybe it's just me. I've come up with what I think is a genius solution to this. The ice cream problem is solved by liking mint ice cream. Because the kids, they hate mint ice cream. They ask for it once, they never want it again. Anyone else like mint ice cream here? Am I the only strange person in the room? Yeah, that's right. See, Talitha, other people enjoy mint ice cream. (laughs) Talitha thinks it tastes like toothpaste. Um, And the the other solution is liking spicy food. You just got to have some hot sauce. You can add that to anything, and all of a sudden, your kids won't want what you have. They did have to learn that, and I don't know if this makes me a bad parent, um, but I remember, you know, cooking a delicious meal and putting a bit of hot sauce on it, and Zeke, you know, as soon as I come out, Zeke's like, my son, he's like, I want that. I want some of that. I want some of that. I'm like, no, Zeke boy, it's spicy. You don't want that. And he's like, I want it. I want it. And I'm like, no, no, you don't want it. It's spicy. You won't like it. I want some. I want some. So in, in a moment of weakness, I said, okay, <laughs> have some. Cut up. Just a little bit, okay? Oh, not that irresponsible. And I remember him, almost this, this joy rushing into his face as he knew he was getting what he wanted. And then it went into his mouth and the joy just, very quickly changed to terror as he experienced a sensation that he'd never experienced before. And since that point, if I ever say something spicy, the kids don't want it, there you go, a free parenting hack for your Sunday. You might have a better one, but that is mine. You know, it's quite natural to want what other people have, right? I don't know if you've ever been in a restaurant and you look at the menu and you, you make a decision. You're quite happy with your decision and your food comes out and then the other person's food comes out and you think, oh, should have ordered that. Why did I order this? Or maybe, I don't know if, it, if, if you've noticed this, but is it just me or is everyone in Europe for two, two, for two months at the moment? Is, is it, there's at least 10 people in my social media feed that have been in Europe for a long time. I'm starting to wonder, did they move there? Or, or are they just on this very long holiday. It's natural to want what other people want. It's natural to kind of respond in a way that would suggest that, that I want that thing that they have. Parents, maybe it's when someone tells you, my kids sleep seven till seven every night. What, what, what's your response to that? You know, last week we spoke about, Pastor Chris spoke about, how do we respond when bad things happen to good people? How do we respond when bad things happen to good people? And I want to just maybe look at the flip side of that today and ask us a question. How do we respond when good things happen to other people? Have you ever noticed there can be a bit of a challenge when something good happens to somebody else? The Bible tells us that when others rejoice, we should rejoice with them. And then when others weep, we should weep with them. But if I can be kind of honest, there's, 
there's been times where I've felt like weeping when other people have been rejoicing. And if I can be really honest, even worse, there's been times where I've been tempted to rejoice when someone else is weeping. I don't know if I'm alone here this morning. It's gotten very quiet. I'm hoping that's because this is a very relevant topic to every one of us. I've found that there's two ways to respond when something good happens to someone else. We can choose to be jealous or we could choose to be zealous is the word I want to put it in. I can wonder, why not me? I deserve that. I should see that. Or I can let what has happened inspire me to experience the same thing in a positive way. It's normal to want what other people have, but how we respond is so important. Turn to the person beside you and say, zealous or jealous? Zealous or jealous? We've been tracking through Acts, and I want to look at Acts 13 this morning. And as we come on the scene, Paul and Barnabas, they've been in this new city and they've been preaching and it's going really well, okay? They get, people are being shocked by the good news of Jesus that they're sharing and it's going so well that the people urge them to to stay. And in verse 42, we pick it up, as Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue for that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas and the, two men, uh, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. So they've preached a pretty good message, right? They've got everyone being like, please come back next week. Please share more with us. It says the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. So there's some real expectation in this. Almost the entire city shows up to hear them speak. And then it says, but some of the Jews saw the crowds and they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you've rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, then we'll offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. So so we have the Jews loving what Paul and Barnabas are sharing when it's for them. But as soon as everyone shows up, and Paul and Barnabas saying, this is not just for the Jews. This is for everyone. God is for all people. Salvation is for all people. Jesus died for all people. Their response is, oh, hang on. Hang on. That, that's just for us. Their, their response is jealousy. And they find themselves offside with what God is trying to do. When good things happen to other people, we've got two responses. We can be jealous or we can be zealous. The word that's used in the Greek there for the Jews were jealous actually suggests it could have gone either way. It's it's the same word in the Greek, jealous and zealous. The difference is the motivation. The difference is for jealousy, I see something someone else has and I instantly feel 
a negative feeling towards that, but like, I should have that. I deserve that. I earn that. The only difference is zealous is you feel the same feeling, but the response is, and I'm so excited to see that happen in my life as well. The Jews could have been like, oh my goodness, God is doing something new. God is moving in a powerful way. Let's be a part of this. We want to see our city met for Jesus. But instead, their response was to be jealous and to think, I wish those crowds, I wish we had the influence those people had. We deserve that. We deserve the crowds. They, They perceived it as a threat. We've got an opportunity to be jealous or to be zealous. For example, when somebody gets healed, we've got the opportunity to be jealous of that and think, why can't I be healed? Or we've got the opportunity to be zealous and to believe that, man, if God can do it in their life, He can do it in my life too. If God can heal that person, He can heal me as well. When, when we see new people come in and they're on fire for Jesus, there's a bunch of new Christians in this place and it's awesome and they're so excited about what God's done in their life. And if we've been on the journey a bit longer, there can be the temptation to think, why haven't I got the same passion that that person's got? Why why are they hearing from God so clearly all of the sudden? Or we can be inspired that, man, I want to get my fire back. I want to see God do something fresh in my life. I want to see my friends one for Jesus as well. When someone gets blessed and you don't get blessed, you've got the opportunity to be jealous. or You've got the opportunity to be inspired that God can do the same thing in your life also. It's important, I think, because I really believe that we're in the middle of God doing something new. I really believe that we're in the middle of God working in a fresh way. And we've got to be so careful and ready to be inspired rather than threatened by the things that God does in people's life. It's ironic in culture because culture kind of pushes celebrating everybody unless, unless it might trigger somebody. And I'm not saying don't be sensitive, but push to the extreme. Imagine if we stopped sharing people's testimonies because we knew there was people who who hadn't seen that yet. It's so important that we allow what God does to inspire us rather than us being threatened by that happening. Is this okay this morning? It's a little bit quiet in here. I'm not saying let's not be sensitive, but, but how can we set ourselves up to respond in a positive way when good things happen to other people? I've got a couple of thoughts. The first thought is we've got to allow Jesus to help us to be at peace with now. Turn to the person beside you and say, be at peace with now. Because if it's going to be quiet here in this morning, I'm going to make you be noisy, okay? (laughs) You know, these Jews, they already had everything. They had scripture. They had the law. They had identity as the sons of Abraham. They had plenty of power and influence. But when they looked at the crowds and thought, why can't we have that? that? That should be ours. We should be just as influential as those people. We should be the most popular. And they start fighting against what God is doing. Something external caused them to feel discontent, like whatever they had was not enough. I don't know if it's just me, but I can relate to that. I don't know if you've ever felt like I'm, so, I'm all good, and then you see something that someone else has, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm not good, and I need that. Like, I'm all good. I love my car. It's great. And then someone gets a new car, and it's like, well, I'd be better if I had that car. You know, I'm all good. I've got my iPhone's fine. And then they release a new iPhone. Or maybe worse, you just bought an old iPhone, and then September comes around, and they release a new iPhone. You're like, oh, I should have waited just a bit longer to get that new iPhone. Might be a new house. Someone might be in a new relationship. It's funny how sometimes 
external things can cause us to feel discontent with where we are in life. It could even be a good thing. Like I mentioned before, someone gets healed or someone gets blessed. Someone has a happy family. Someone has a great job. Someone gets a promotion. And all of a sudden it's like, hang on, that's what I'm missing. I need that to feel content. Why is it that we become jealous when something good happens to someone else? I think that one possible, might, one possible reason might be that we've bought into that, that, that lie of materialism, that, that happiness and contentment are in things for us to be attained, that, that happiness and contentment live out there somewhere, and our job is to find that so that then we can be happy and then we can be content. But if we believe that, we're always going to be chasing stuff, right? We're always going to be chasing the next thing. This is what Paul says about true contentment in Philippians 4. It says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned that the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see... True contentment, it's, it's not about settling for less. It's not about giving up on your dreams and desires. Real contentment is simply being at peace with now. Whether I have a lot or a little, whether things are going well or not so well, true contentment is being at peace with now. And can I encourage you, that can coexist with vision for your future. I think sometimes contentment's kind of sold as is don't believe for more, just be happy and it will never change. No, you can have vision for your future and be at peace with now. You can be dreaming for more. You can be dreaming to be healed. You can be believing to be healed, but be content with where you are. You can be content and still pursuing a dream. You can be content and be praying for a relationship. You can be content and believing for financial breakthrough. These things aren't at odds. I've just got to come to a place where I'm at peace with now. And I think Jesus really wants us to wants to help us do that. He wants us to be content with where we are. I can believe for those things because the motivation has shifted. No longer am I looking to that to fulfill a need. I'm fulfilled now. I've got peace now. I'm happy with where I'm at now and I can still have vision for the future. When I'm at peace with now and I see something someone else has, I can be inspired to have that too rather than becoming jealous and needing that thing to fix me. So if I want to be zealous, not jealous, man, I've got, to, I've got to allow Jesus to do some work on the inside, maybe. Help me to come at peace with now. The second thought, if we want to have a positive response, is we've got to embrace the, unique, embrace the uniqueness of your own journey. Turn to the person beside you, say, embrace the uniqueness of your own journey. That was longer so I could have a sip of water. Very tricky. You know, the disciples, they're pretty amazing in that they're, they're going down a fresh trail. They've kind of recently had this revelation that, that Jesus is for all people. This is something that hasn't been done before. And you can see they're full of zeal. They're full of passion, pursuing this different thing that God is going to do. They're moving away from the the well-beaten path of this is just for the Jewish people. This is just for people who've converted to Judaism. And they're like, no, Jesus is for all 
people. And they're chasing after that. And even though it's new, it's not done, it's difficult, they're undeterred because they've embraced and trusted the truth that there is uniqueness in the journey that God has for them. I love what it says in Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. It says, My thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know what God is trying to do in your life is probably going to look different to the person beside you. What God is trying to do in your life is unique and beautiful and awesome, but it's probably different. And if we get too caught up comparing and wanting what other people have, we might actually miss out on what God is trying to do through us. If we want to have a good response when we see good things happen, we've got to trust that God has got a good plan for our life. And it's going to be unique and it's going to be different, but it's going to be good. Years ago, I was speaking to someone and this person, God was really doing something in their life. They were on fire. They were passionate. They were reaching people for Jesus. It was like clear God was doing something in their life. And I remember speaking to them and they were like, but I just really want to be a pastor. I've got to be, I won't be there till I'm a pastor. And I'm like, trust me, you don't want that. No, no, I love being a pastor. But they got so caught up on, I won't have made it until I get that title. And it was like they were completely missing the fact that God was doing something really awesome in their life right now. I was like, dude, just focus on killing it where you're at because God is obviously working in your life. But how true is that? We can look at other people and think, that's when I will have made it. And if we do that, we can actually miss. No, God is working in your life right now. It might not be so glamorous. It might not look as good as that. But I tell you what, that person, there's probably a story to that. You know, what's the saying? Work really hard for 10 years and you'll be an overnight success. And sometimes we look at other people's success and we think, I just, that's what I need when God's trying to do something different in your life. We've got to look and realize, hang on, my journey is unique. It's different, but it's going to be good. The jealous response, I think, is often driven by insecurity. It's a sense of, I'm going to miss out unless I make this happen for myself. We've got to come to a place where we trust God and the journey that He's got us on. I don't have to make this happen. He's leading me. He's making a way. He's with me. And I can trust that. It's going, to be, it's going to look different, but the outcome will be good. And I think if we can trust that, that leads to a place of security where we really can rejoice with people when they're rejoicing. So embrace the uniqueness of your own journey. Final thought is recognize a win for them is a win for you. Turn the person beside you and say, recognize a win for them is a win for you. I remember doing some, um, some pre-marriage counseling when I was in Taiwan. And I was, we kind of had split up for the night and I was hanging out with the, with the guy and Talitha was hanging out with the girl. And he said to me, he said, Levi, there's a, there's a big problem in our relationship that happened recently. And I, I was kind of, you know, bracing myself, what's going to be? Okay, and tell me more. And he says, well, my wife and I, we work at the same company and we work in the same role and it's been all good. But recently, she got a promotion and now she's earning way more money than I am. 
And I was like, yes. And he's like, that's the problem. I'm like, oh. <laughs> he said, in our traditional culture, it's not acceptable for that to be happening. It's, it's a shame on me. And I had to say to him, I'm like, mate, you're a family. If her earning more money means more money for you too. That's a good thing. I was like, if Talitha walked in and said, I'm now earning a million dollars, I would be like, so good. That's amazing. A win for you is a win for me. It's like if we can get that right, that a win for them is a win for us. It's so important. Same with a family member or a friend or a coworker. A win for them is a win for you. But why doesn't it always seem like that? I mean, it's easy to say that, but why doesn't it seem like that? Why does it sometimes feel like I'm missing out when someone is getting something? When something good happens for someone else, it's like I'm missing out. I think it kind of comes back to how we see the kingdom of God. I heard it said there's two ways we can see the kingdom of God or what God's trying to do. A pie or a river. Kingdom of God, is it like a pie or is it like a river? A pie, say you get your pie and you cut it up into eight pieces or whatever. If a piece of that pie goes, there's now less pie, right? I'm now missing some pie. It's like maybe there's, I'm looking at my friend, they get a piece of that pie, and I'm like, oh, there's now less chance for me to get a piece of that pie because they got that pie. It sounds silly, but I think we can see the kingdom of God a little bit like that. There's now less to go around. Or do we see the kingdom of God like a river where there's always more flowing from the source? It doesn't matter who gets blessed or how much they get blessed. There is more where that came from. There is always going to be more where that came from. Our God is the God of unequal and unending blessing. He is the God who can provide over and over and over and over again. If it's a river, a win for you is a win. A win for them is a win for you. If God can do it in their life, He can do it in my life. If God did it in their life, there's more where that came from. Pie thinking, oh no, there's less. Oh no, there's not enough blessings. Oh, God's done his quota of promotion blessings this month. I'll have to wait till next month. No, kingdom of God is like a river. A win for them is a win for you. This is especially especially true in the church. There's There's no place for envy in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, to 13 and verse 27 says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free. But we have been all baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Verse 27, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Church is, a, church is a body. Church is a family. If one person benefits, we all benefit. If one person's blessed, we're all blessed. Can you see how that's, it's so important to understand, hey, if God does something in their life, it doesn't mean less for you. It's a win for all of us. It's a win for everyone. When, sh- when someone is blessed, we're all blessed. When someone shares their testimony, our faith is increased. When someone joins the team that's, more gifted than you. It's a blessing for all of us. We can't have this sense of, man, God's running out of good things. It's like, no, if it's a win for them. It's a win for us. My faith should actually increase because I've seen God do it. 
I didn't know it was possible, but he healed that person. Now I believe he can do that for me too. I didn't think it could be done, but now I can see that there's more, that God can do it in my life too. I think it's so important that we understand a win for them. We're inspired to see. I remember um, when I was younger, maybe for a year or two in like grade seven and eight, which who knows, when you're a kid, like a year seems like forever. Like a year seems like literally a lifetime. And I used to be really, really embarrassed and insecure because I had a wart on my right hand, like right here. And I I was so embarrassed about it because whenever I would shake someone's hand, like my wart would be right there and I'd feel really insecure that people would see it. And I remember I, I hated this thing so much. I'd prayed so many times that it would go away for a year. And again, as a kid, that's like forever. I tried everything. I tried treatments. I used to be so upset that I would, I would like stab at it with my protractor in, in school to try to get rid of it. I remember getting to the point where I just was like, I'm never, this is just never going to go away. I'm going to have this forever. And then one night at church, someone shared a testimony. They said, Pastor Dave prayed for someone with a wart and their wart just fell off. And my first response was, yeah, that'd be nice. But then I thought, if God can do it for them through Dave, I'm sure he can do it for me. And I went and I got Pastor Dave to pray for me and he prayed that my wart would fall off. And again, this sounds all very insecure, but it was a big thing to me and nothing happened. And I thought, oh, my prayer hasn't been answered. And then the next day, as I got out of the car, I kid you not, I got out of the car, I bumped my hand on the door and my wart fell off onto the ground. (laughs) It was gone. It never came back and I was healed. Thank you, Jesus. But... The point I'm making is there was two responses. When I heard that that had been done for someone else, my response could have been, I just don't even want to be near that person because God's done something for them that he hasn't done for me. But instead, fortunately, I was like, no, I'm going to let that inspire me to believe that God can do the same thing in my life too. I wonder for us, I wonder if we're drawn towards people who've seen a miracle or do we tend to shy away because we don't want to be disappointed? Are we drawn towards people who have a testimony or do we distance ourselves from places where we might be reminded of our disappointment? Life group or church where God's done something for someone else, sometimes there can actually be a response to, to push away from that because I don't, want to be dis- I don't want to get my hope up again. If we're thinking that, I just want to encourage us, maybe we've got to correct our thinking and remember, hey, the, the kingdom of God, it's a river, it's not a pie. God doesn't have a limited amount of healings that he does each year. God is the God of healing power. So so how do we respond when something good happens to someone else? Are we inspired or are we jealous? Do we wonder why not me or do we start to believe that that could be me? Would you stand with me this morning as I just ask a couple of questions? just to help apply this. First question, are you at peace with now? Just stop, think about your life. Are you at peace with now? Again, that doesn't mean that you're not believing to be somewhere different or to experience something different or it doesn't mean that you don't have prayers that you want answered, but are you at peace with now? If not, I wonder what's stopping you. 
if you're thinking about it, what is there something in your mind that, that you're actually thinking, if I could get that, then I will be content. Then that'll bring me peace. I just want to encourage you. No, no, you can find peace right now in Jesus. It might be simple as just in your mind being like, God, I choose to trust you. And I just pray that, Jesus, I pray this morning, people right where they're at, pray that experience your peace, peace beyond all understanding, even though their situation might be wild and topsy-turvy. God, we pray people would experience your peace this morning. Next question, have you embraced your unique journey? Have you embraced your unique journey? Do you trust that God is working in your life? Or do you feel stressed to kind of have to make it happen yourself? Do you trust, hey, this is, my journey is unique. It's different. It doesn't look like anyone else, but it's good. And God's with me. And maybe again, maybe you're recognizing that's me. I just love, maybe make this prayer your own. Jesus, I choose to trust you. I know the journey I'm on is different. I know it's unique. But also, God, I choose to trust that it is good. Final question. Are you avoiding places where there will be people who have experienced blessing? Or are you drawn towards them? You know what we see with the the Jewish people is they actually got offside to what God was trying to do. And in the same way, jealousy, it, it kind of puts us offside with the Holy Spirit. Like if you can imagine like a football game, it's very hard for God to play the ball to you in that sense if you're sitting in jealousy. Instead, come on, would you be drawn towards what God is doing in other people's lives and believe that you can experience the same thing? And Jesus, we just thank you that you want to play us the ball, that you want to bless us. We choose to trust that. And God, I pray that we'd be inspired by what you're doing in other people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.